Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello everybody, welcome. Here we are again, um, another Chakra Chat. And today um, I had a brilliant guest. Um, today I was talking to Yogi Aaron. Yogi Aaron is, not surprisingly, a yoga teacher, but a yoga teacher with a message that I think is really fascinating. And, you know, the main reason why I wanted to speak to him is because his view is that and as a yoga teacher, somebody who's been practicing yoga for many, many, many years, he thinks that stretching is killing us. I know, stand back, gasp, mouth agape. What, as a yoga teacher, to hear that stretching is bad is, um, yeah, it's quite a big thing to hear. And so I, obviously I wanted to know everything. And if you are not a yoga practitioner, this um, just stick with it because there's some good stuff in here and, and Aaron is just a lovely, lovely guy. Um, if you do practice yoga, you definitely want to stay tuned because this is a fascinating chat. I get very overexcited by everything that he's telling me because actually it all really resonates. It just sits, it lands, it makes sense, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, so yeah, I hope that this is going to give you some food for thought, especially if you are a yoga teacher or a yoga practitioner, because I feel like yoga is so often seen as this unattainable, you've got to be super flexible, doing crazy backbends thing when it just isn't. That's not what yoga is about. So listen on and enjoy. Welcome today to the Chakra Meditation Podcast. And today I am really excited for this guest because we are talking today with Aaron, who is Yogi Aaron, Yogi Aaron, who is a yoga teacher, not surprisingly. Um, 
Yogi Aaron has a yoga retreat in Costa Rica, which looks stunningly beautiful. He's also an author and his main book, and there's another book, which I also want to get into at some point, Aaron, but the main, the main book that I want to talk about is a book that he's called, called Stop Stretching. Now, as a yoga teacher, this is controversial. Go, you know, first of all, welcome, Aaron. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for thank you for taking the leap and having me come. <laughs> oh no, I'm really I'm you know I'm so fascinated because you know I feel like yoga is this beautiful ancient thing that's been passed down through generations and here in the west we've kind of taken lots of different or lots of different sort of um pathways that you can go with your yoga you know you could do kundalini or you could do ashtanga or you could do hot yoga or you can just do generic hatha yoga. I personally was trained in Iyengar yoga. So, and there's, but it's constantly developing and we're constantly <laughs> learning. And um, I think that, I don't know, talking from an Iyengar standpoint, Mr. Iyengar came over and said, straighten that knee, thwack. You know, he was like, <laughs> he was quite <laughs> a lot. And so that sort of runs a little bit through that type of yoga. And ditto, you know, it's the same with, with other variations, I'm sure. So I love that you're bringing yoga forward. So tell me, why should, tell, I'm just, tell me. Why, why should we stop they... stretching? Yes. Why? <laughs> well, I, I mean, first of all, thanks for having me on. And um, I love like the chakras. So when I saw your podcast, it was like, oh my God, we got to have a conversation because um I'm just going to do a quick commercial for the chakras because the Please. when I first met my teacher Rod, um, he gave me a chakra practice, and um, it was that chakra practice that I believe led me to opening up, you know, my life essentially, like opening up a yoga retreat center and writing a couple of books, and and I really believe strongly that the chakras are really chakra practices are really such a key element um, that is not really being taught well, um, which is another conversation, but, um, or, or there's not a lot of knowledge of it really. And, and as a result, it's not being taught well. And so I love that people like you are doing this work and um, helping people to manifest and live their life purpose. And maybe who knows, maybe some of the people you teach will open up a yoga retreat center <laughs> or do amazing stuff. And, and I think like that's what yoga is supposed to be about is like opening up our potential. And, and I got into yoga initially because I wanted to stretch. Um, I was 18 at the time. I was really tight in my body. And, and I was also like very ADD and very energetic. So I was drawn more to quote unquote, the energetic kind of practices, I guess, uh, the power yoga, mm. uh, Ashtanga yoga. I used to be a huge Ashtangi. And very quickly, at a very young age, I started hurting my back, like really badly. Nice. And 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 what started happening was I would go to yoga teachers say, oh, my God, my back is sore. Well, we need to open your hips or we need to stretch your back out. And really, for the following 25 years, I kept doing that. And then things just progressively got worse. And, you know, silly me never kind of connected the dots that maybe the yoga was the, 
I shouldn't really say the yoga because that's not fair or correct. But the it way that really you were using your body. Yeah. The way that was, the stretching, the forcing open. Um, and, you know, a lot of yoga teachers might listen to this and go, well, you're not supposed to force your body open. We don't teach that. Yes, you do. We all teach it. We all sat there at the front of the room saying like, you know, yoga is not about stretching. And then we fold forward over our legs, bringing our forehead to our knees and grabbing our ankles. Yeah. Like there's such a disconnect between what yoga teachers say and what yoga teachers do. And what that we do, what we do is, more. you know, that's what students pay attention to. They don't hear what we say. They hear or they watch what we do and they try to mimic mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that's kind of like what started my pain journey. And then I ended up in the um, surgeon's office, the orthopedic surgeon who wanted, who was telling me like, you might need, you're going to probably need a spinal fusion in your lower back um, mm -hmm. because my lower back was just a mess. And it was a mess because none of the muscles down there were working properly. And I didn't know that at the time, but I didn't realize like all of the stretching I was doing was actually debilitating my muscles. Hmm. Okay. So what you're saying, what I'm, what I think I'm hearing is that the stretching, you're overstretching the muscles without giving them any strength. Was that the problem with your back? Is that the problem with stretching is just because when we teach yoga, it's like, you know, when you pick up a heavy weight, you kind of, you know, you tense your muscle, you shorten the muscle, add bulk to it. You shorten the muscle. Sure. Whereas in yoga, we're doing the opposite. We're lengthening the muscle, which yes. in theory gives space and fluidity and flexibility and all that kind of good stuff that most yogis are after. So what, what is it about? So take your example, because this is a really common one is lower back issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is it what what was the actual problem then if it if from from the overstretching that you were doing? So <clears throat> whenever we stretch. We. We push a muscle beyond what it's what its end range of motion is. So each muscle has a capacity to shorten, okay? And that's really um, what I now focus on. And we can circle back to that in just a moment, but mm. I focus more on the muscles that are shortening. And as a reciprocal response, another muscle will always lengthen, okay? And that sometimes people call that a stretch. I don't like calling it a stretch because it denotes this idea that I can force it to go more open. You never, ever, ever want a muscle to be forced open. I'm going to explain why in a second. But when we shorten a muscle, there's always a reciprocal muscle, an antagonist that will lengthen. Mm -hmm. And so if we just force the antagonist, the opposite muscle to lengthen without getting the other muscle to contract properly, then we disconnect the brain from that muscle. We lose proprioception. And an example of that is like, if you just ask people like, hang out in child's pose for a minute and now jump up and stand up, they're gonna be like, oh, because their <laughs> muscles do have lost their force output. Their muscles have lost that ability to contract and contract on demand. So they know longer have the ability to shorten you can think about it like a slinky 
when you, if you have a new slinky out of the box and you say to a little child, like grab one end and run away as far as you can and you pull that slinky and extend it as much as you can, in our muscles, we have what's called muscle spindles. They're all like little tiny micro slinkies, literally. And so those slinkies, those spindles are talking to our brain all the time. Their, their job is actually to contract. Their job is not to be stretched. Okay. Their job is to contract. Now they will elongate, obviously, but their main job is to contract. And so they're constantly communicating with the brain. If they are stretched, they lose that ability to connect uh, to the brain and they lose their ability to contract and contract on demand. If you keep doing these kinds of practices for long enough, you ultimately create a huge amount of instability in the body and whereby it takes that much longer, sometimes, you know, hours, sometimes days for the brain to reconnect to that muscle. So you can think like if you leave a really kind of yin stretchy kind of yoga class and you're all like loosey-goosey you have no stability in your joints so you go and do something then you hurt yourself and so then that creates a stress and a trauma in the body and then what do you do you go and stretch more which is then you know disassociating the brain from those muscles a lot more (laughs) okay so this this really does make this makes makes perfect sense to me I get it I get what you're saying and what you're saying is that like you you yeah you're losing that stability that strength it's all very well having lovely long muscles but if they can't contract and and be short which is what gives us stability in that kind of weight trainery kind of a way or um then you're going to end up with you know the tendons and the ligaments trying to hold your skeleton together rather than your muscles and then that's where the issues come and also the muscles and the tendons and ligaments that holding the skeleton in place are going to not be doing their job. So, yeah, and that's that's when can we. Can I ask you something as a yoga teacher? Yeah. Um, and, and you don't have to answer or you can answer if you want to. But I this is kind of like a rhetorical question as well. So take it for what it's worth. But I think that the most two important questions that yoga teachers don't ask often enough and that's kind of what I want to create a conversation about in the yoga world um, is the first question is, um, wh- um, why do we need, you know, long muscles? You know, like, why, how come we need to have these long muscles? And, and, and that's the first question. The second question is, why is the muscle tight to begin with? You know, like, why, why is there muscle tightness in, in, I, I think a lot of yoga teachers don't stop to to ask that. Do you want to answer or do you want me to keep talking? Well, no, I think it is a really interesting question. And actually, it's a very good question to pose because uh, it's one of those things where I'm sure I used to know the answer. It's this why, why we want to have long muscles. Um, but I don't think that I have a decent enough answer to give you something solid on that. Um, And why do we have tight muscles? Well, I suppose a lot of people would say, well, you know, tight muscles are stress and that, you know, there's tension and it's gripping and it's holding. And what we want to do is create space and ease and flow and fluidity in the body. So, you know, like mind, like body, all of that kind of stuff. So that, I suppose, is my off the hoof answer on those two questions. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It's, it's good. And, but those like, so, so from, from, a, from, and, and this is one of my passions is I really want to start bringing, 
some knowledge of muscle function to yoga teachers and and, we're all taught and, anatomy. We're all taught yeah. anatomy. We're taught where the muscles are and what they attach to what, and yeah. so on. But there's, yeah, there's more that needs to be discussed. You're right. Well, and and I think one of the things that's not taught in 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 both the yoga world and other worlds, by the way, is that a job a muscle's job is to do two things: one, move bones. Okay, so in order for me to bring my hand, if I extend my arm out and then I bring my wrist to my shoulder, what is moving that forearm? Well, it's, there's the bicep. There's a few muscles, but there's all the bicep muscles that's doing that. They need to shorten in order for me to bring my hand to my shoulder. So muscles move bones. That's really important. And they move bones by contracting. They move bones by shortening. They also stabilize joints. So we have our shoulder joints, we have our hip joints, knee joints, you know, and then all of the vertebrae in our in our back. And so if those muscles are, as you said, all lengthened and open and spacious, they're no longer able to contract to be able to hold those joints in place. See that joke. And, yeah. and so that's why, like, I can't tell you, uh, Roseanne, how many times I have thrown my back out. I'm doing air quotes right now for the podcast listeners. The, <laughs> um, you know, to when I'm started yoga class, like I've started in child's pose and stretched my back out a little and then started in Surinamaskar A and by sometimes the second third time I've like my back goes out like my lower back seizes up yeah. because none of the muscles that were supposed to be supporting those joints were engaging properly they lost their force output yeah. and yeah. and so that's what so I no longer focus on lengthening muscles in my teaching and that's part of like flipping the script um, that I keep talking about um, throughout my book is like flipping the script, but don't focus on lengthening, focus on shortening. So if you come into Trikonasana, for example, like, and, and it's, there's a misstep in, in one of the instructions. So when you come into Trikonasana, side bending pose, mm -hmm. they always say, open up the side body that you're quote unquote stretching into, yeah. and then even lengthen on the side that you're, you're, you're bending into. no. We actually want to shorten that side and don't worry about what's going on lengthening here. Just shorten these muscles. The bone of, of Trikonasana is actually the engagement of the oblique muscles if it's taught properly um, if from that perspective, from, from that you know lens. Um, and so if you're engaging those, then you can start to engage the oblique muscles which are huge muscles that are responsible for trunk and spine stability. But if you ask people to come out, lengthen out, even throw the hips out a little bit and bring the arm down to the floor, you almost can watch people drop down to the floor. There's no muscular engagement. And then when people come out of it, it's like they either kind of fly out of it using fast twitch muscles, or they kind of like stumble out of it because none of those stabilizer muscles are able to engage properly. So from our perspective, we're always looking at what muscles are shortening in order for the body to move uh, that direction.
my god this is such a fascinating perspective because I can totally understand it but I've been you know forever I've been yeah lengthen from the hip to the armpit find that sure. length and extend out and and then you know to come out of it it's like the energy is in that back leg so use the back leg and the top arm to like lift you up out of it and so you're not sort of hauling yourself but you're sort of you know got that energy but uh this is this is a real a really really interesting perspective on this whole thing so in I mean you've kind of answered my next question which was going to be so how do we practice yoga you know the traditional type of um you know so take Paschimottanasana full forward bend do you practice yeah. that how far do you go how do you practice something like which is the you know a big old stretch so the the first answer I, I did sort of answer your question but the first answer is like what is shortening? So always kind of flip the script in your mind. What muscles need to uh, shorten in order for me to do that movement? And how can I isometrically um, engage those muscles? So with Trikonasana, it's very easy. Or even as I'm sitting on the ground right now, I'm doing a variation of a lateral uh, pose here. Um, so that's one answer. Uh, with Paschimottanasana, so there's kind of two ideas, but first of all, um, I always, the way that I teach it or, or teach teachers to teach it is think about, again, what muscles are shortening. Let's do some activations. Let's do some preparation to get those muscles to shorten. So in Paschimottanasana, we have the quads, more specifically the rectus femoris and hip flexors. So we can even address a little bit of the psoas, um, the iliacus, um, Eh, not so much TFL, but um, definitely the quads. And then we're also looking at what muscles are in the trunk of the body. So we're looking at the rectus abdominis, you know, the sternalis. So what we want to do in the psoas minor, and and we want to do some things to prepare those, those muscles to be able to shorten in a better way. Um, and just by the way, I had this... Um, woman in my teacher training last April. She was so great. I actually interviewed her for my podcast, which is titled Stop Stretching. And um, it's just an eight-part uh, mini-series. So it's not like a whole enchilada weekly thing. Okay. But is she? I was listening to her interview um, before what, class one day, and she was like, I'm doing yoga because I want to touch my toes. I've never been able to touch my toes. And I just want to touch my toes. So I came into class and I said, Mary, <laughs> I joke with my students like that. Do you really think it's important to touch your toes? Why do you want to touch your toes? I, and, you know, there's no real answer. Well, I just want to. Yeah, I mean, exactly. so there's this there's this kind of like you know um, thing in our mind that like, oh if I'm going to be healthier and more vital and more youthful if I can touch my toes, yeah. but okay, then so I got her up on the table. Sorry, no, no, no I was just just on that. This was it's still in my brain before I forget it. So this the whole thing about touching your toes, um, that's a hamstring length to greater lesser degree pretty much late, late greater so it's hamstring hamstring length so length in the back of the legs a lot of people find really challenging like I've got a student who I was teaching this morning a private client who's really stiffer his knees are not great and he's stiff you know his hamstrings are are short which is very typical of a man of his age you know not a, not a problem we work around it it's all good 
Um, but I've always believed and been taught that if you have that long hamstring, then that connects up to the lower back and allows the lower back to be freer and allows the lower back to be released and um, less prone to injury. And you're blowing my world up here, Aaron, by saying that this is not the case. <laughs> this is as that's yeah. So I want to come back and talk about the um, hamstring for a second, but I wanted to just quickly tell you that with Mary, we got her up and I actually have a, I had a video recording of it and I had her reach out and not try to grab her feet, but just keeping her arms level with her legs, reach as far as she could. She got about six, eight inches away from her toes, which she actually said like, oh my God, like, I can't believe I'm actually that close. Mm -hmm. The work we've been doing is helping, but then I led her through a simple activation for her um, pyramidalis, which is, um, it's kind of like an anchor muscle for the whole abdominal wall. So I got her pyramidalis activated and she actually got her fingers up to her toes. Then we went back and did um, two more exercises, one of them to activate the quads. And she got her fingers about four to six inches past her toes. Wow. We did not stretch at all. So we opened up a range of motion. But here's the here's the cool thing. We not only opened up a huge range of motion, which you know she was happy about, but we actually had stability. And so she opened up that range of motion because her muscles were able to shorten properly. That's the, that's the important thing mm -hmm. is that, that, and, and so how I would teach um, Paschimottanasana, by the way, is I would not use straps. I would not tell people to grab the feet. I would bring the hands behind the back and tell people to come forward uh, as far as they can. And I would have them, it depending on how long we stay in the pose. I mean, it's a great pose to stay in for a while, um, because of the effects on the mind and the nervous system and that sort of thing. So you, that's another conversation. But I generally, when I'm teaching like forward bends, I always take release valves out so that people cannot go into um, their flexibility. Okay. Yeah, that's... yeah. And you asked a question. I was going to come back and answer it. Sorry. Sorry, I'm bombarding <laughs> oh, <it> you. Was... <laughs> 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 it's cool stuff though it really is cool stuff to to see it but again you know the hamstrings let's talk about that for a second the hamstrings are so important for hip stability but also for knee stability and what is one of the huge complaints that yoga teachers uh, yoga people always have is my knees are hurting oh well we need to stretch more um, but actually, if you look at where the, the hamstrings attach to, they're really responsible for um, knee flexion. And if so, if the knees are flexing and the hamstrings aren't shortening, again, the joint isn't stabilizing properly. The joint is just kind of like loosey-goosey. Um, so I would, I would, with this particular individual, look at okay, well, why is his hamstrings tight? Well, the hamstrings are tight. Is it because it's a protective mechanism in the body? So, you know, where you live in England, you can think about like you step out the door on the first day, the cold day of winter, maybe, maybe there's some ice on the ground and you step on it. What does your body do? It tightens up. 
you know, or, or when you get scared, um, you tighten up. So the body sends it, it's a protective mechanism that when the body senses instability, it sends out like an Amber alert, you know, tighten up, tighten up, tighten up, yeah. because what it's trying to do is to, to keep the joint safe, to yeah. keep the joint stabilized. But with this then, individual, the reason the being is probably because his knees are pretty short. So he's yeah. been told that in a few years time, he's probably going to need a pair of new knees, which is, yeah. you know, but so his, his hamstrings are tight to protect his knees. Therefore, yeah. Well, and, and sure. That's and so what some of the main muscles that protect knees um, and, and actually contribute to, to knee stability is we want to address the glutes. We want to address the quads. And we also want to address the hand, uh, the psoas. Those are sort of my top three muscles to, you know, help knee um, stability. And I can tell you from firsthand experience, I'm a huge hiker. I love hiking. And um, by the age of like 31, 32, I actually had to stop for a long time because I would go hiking and then I would be debilitated for days afterwards because my knees were so swollen. And so I slowly started to get into it, but I always had to wear a knee brace. But when I got started doing muscle activations, I would do <laughs> things for my knees. Mm. And now I don't wear a knee brace anymore because I make sure like these muscles are strong that are supposed to, um, that really affect the, the, the stability of the knee joint uh, when I'm out there. So I would, I would, with your client, really work on getting his glutes working and getting his psoas working uh, properly and also rectus femoris and, and TFL too. TFL is another one. Um, it's constantly tight uh, on a lot of people and solution is not foam rolling. It feels good. You know, this kind of lengthening process that you were talking about earlier, it feels good. It does feel yeah. good. It does feel in the brain or in the mind, you know, spacious, which is what we're trying to uh, create. But the problem is, is that we're creating that space and there's no accountability. There's no stability um, afterwards. And, and then, then the other thing is like, we have to keep doing it over and over and over because those muscles will eventually tighten up because the body doesn't sense stability. Um, so you're just perpetuating like this, this cycle of, of instability. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And I mean, you're, you're, you're really making me think because um before before we met i just hopped onto amazon to have a look at your book and and rather brilliantly you've got that look inside which i always look inside a book oh, just like a little bit of free book happy days um so i was reading the introduction <laughs> and i got as far as a story about a student that you were talking about um who had sciatica like true sciatica with a trapped nerve in his in his spine and you were saying that, you know, the thing that he really loved doing was that um, what you call figure of four, what I would call reclining pigeon pose. Sure. Um, and you were like, no, 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 that's not what you need to do. And I'm like, oh, because that's that's me. Uh, in 2020, um, I was doing when we were in lockdown and I went, I was like, great, I'm just going to do yoga all day, every day, because there's nothing else to do. So I would jump on Zoom and do class after class after, you know, I was teaching in California and all over the world, you know, and I was teaching all of my classes, plus more, I was doing a lot. 
and um and then you know a load of other things anyway at some point I developed sciatica and it wasn't a trap nerve sciatica it was um you know piriformis sort of in the muscle in the bum muscle um sciatica and and I find that that's you know that reclining pigeon is has been my best friend and um suptopanagastasana you know lifting you know stretching the hamstring and now you're making me think that I've got it all wrong and um it's it's that was 2020 we're nearly in 2023 now and I can still feel the echoes of it and occasionally it comes back and bites me on the bottom quite literally and I'm not enjoying it and currently I have got a little bit of pain through my outer you know on that outer leg sort of thing um and so now I hadn't got because it was then time to meet you I was like oh my god I need to read on which is <laughs> instead I'm going to ask you what do I do I mean, no one <coughs> hear about what, how I sort out my asciatica, but I'm going to get your book to read it and to find out. But it does make sense that I'm been, I've been pushing it and pushing it and stretching it and stretching it, and it's still not getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's, you know, it's not disappeared as, you know, and there's a, there's a huge amount of shame and frustration as a yoga teacher when you have something like this. You're like, why the hell can't I fix myself? Because I have all the tools here. And this is leads me on really to what I wanted to talk to you about, which is like uh, being, you know, the pain, being pain free, because that's another that's the big sort of um, consequence of this stop stretching is being pain free. And I think if somebody, you know, if somebody's been listening to this and they're not a yogi, they may well have tuned out. already. <laughs> but if you haven't, then, uh, you know, we're, a lot of us suffer with pain. And so yeah. this technique of yoga, because people, I meet a lot of people and you say, what do you do? And you say, I'm a yoga teacher. And they go, oh, I'm I'm far too inflexible. I couldn't possibly do yoga. That's the most common thing. And then they say, oh, well, I've got a bad knee or I've got a, this bit that hurts or that bit that hurts. And so therefore I don't do yoga. And so I feel like you're coming up with the solutions to these things. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, pain is always a response of inflammation. So Um, with yoga teachers, just as a side note, we often feel pain. Like if I feel pain in my shoulder right here and and right where I'm pointing to is the bicep tendon, Mm -hmm. uh, right in here. And so a lot of yoga teachers end up having a lot of inflammation right here. Inflammation, um, or sorry, pain is like the check engine light of the body. The body is, it's like, there's something that's going on here. There's inflammation here. There's a tightness here. Um, because something isn't working properly. Mm. And so what we as yoga teachers do then is, you know, oh, you need to stretch that out. And so I used to suffer, I used to suffer terribly. It was all from those darn chaturangas and other oh, things. God, hate that. And, yes. <laughs> and, um, um, and so what we need to do is like address it, like what is not stabilizing uh, there. And so inflammation will always happen um, when there's no stabilization, the body starts to experience more stress or trauma or overuse. So chaturanga is a great example in our in our yoga world of, of something where we're really traumatizing. Um, and I'm choosing that word specifically 
our shoulders. We are traumatizing our shoulders in Chaturanga because 99.99999% of people, A, don't do it correctly, and B, are coming into this really intense pose without having the muscles to support them. By the um, way, for those of you who don't know what Chaturanga is, it's kind of like doing a half a push-up and it's quite full on. Yeah, <laughs> some yoga teachers like will do five minute chaturangas. Like, but but as funny as that is, that's just not useful. And and so what we want to do is also approach, you know, the things that we're doing. Why are we doing it? Is this really useful? And is this functional to a person in their daily life? So teaching something like triangle pose, but really focusing on those lateral obliques and getting them strong is really useful because we need strong obliques for the movements that we go through in life from picking up our kids or you know carrying the groceries in from the car we need those strong oblique muscles mm -hmm. to support our body so something things have to be functional but we also need to be looking at like the pain like your sciatic pain and go why is this pain here mm -hmm. you know and what is actually causing uh the pain and so now let's treat it rather than trying to um, put a Band-Aid on it, like a temporary Band-Aid by stretching, you know, it out. Let's actually engage the muscles down there and start working on, on building more like um, strength through muscle activation. Mm -hmm. You know, your client or those people that are like, yeah, you know, I don't want to stretch. I did a, a survey recently about people about why they don't do yoga and the two top things that, that these guys said was one, that it's too painful. I, I just couldn't believe it. Like a lot of people associate yoga with pain. And then number two, um, because they couldn't sit still. So the question, you know, that my invitation would be like, hey, you've got knee pain. Let me give you, you know, spend 15 or 20 minutes with you and I'll show you um, some really cool stuff so that you can start to get rid of that pain. Cause you don't have to live with pain. Um, if you, you know, have a better support system in your body. Mm. I mean, I suppose what, what you're sort of triggering in me is this sort of idea that we should be practicing yoga and finding where, you know, when that sort of stress, that sort of pain arrives to retreat away from it and work out why that is and, and how we can counteract it. So I think, yeah, I think it's, it's a, it's a, and you've given this this technique that you've you've given it a name applied yoga anatomy and muscle activation um which i think is a is a nice ayama kind of a word it's quite well done <laughs> thank you ayama ayama loosely very loosely translated um it's kind of like you have to kind of draw a circle to get there but it actually means a synonym for for yama is moksha uh, which, you know, you know, as spiritual freedom and, and it, but I didn't actually, by the way, intentionally call it a yama. I actually wanted to, I called it applied yoga anatomy because I wanted to create a system where people could actually feel the anatomy. Like so much of what you might've learned in, in your yoga teacher training is with many yoga teachers, they either do drawn coloring charts, you know, um, with the muscles, or they have a teacher that's like, you know, up at the front of the room doing things on a whiteboard. That's not functional. That's not experiential. That's not applied. 
So what we want to do is then start to understand like, oh, when I'm coming into Trikonasana, I literally can feel my oblique muscles um, engaging. Or when I've got my hands behind the back, I'm now focused on engaging my rectus abdominis and pulling up at the pubic bone to feel the core muscles engage at the insertion point. So this is kind of like where I'm starting to um, teach people another pose, which by the way, you asked me like, what would be a, a solution for your, your sciatica? The number one pose, which I, I'm a huge, like if you're gonna teach one pose in every single yoga class, well, there's actually two I have, but the first one is Superman pose, um, which is when you're lying on your, or Shalabhasana, when you're lying on your stomach and you lift both the legs and the chest up, um, as high as you can. Yeah. Um, and you start to lift that up. And what you do is you start to engage all of those lower back muscles. The brain goes, oh, there's back muscles here. And yeah. it's hard at first, but usually by day three or four or five, people start going into it really effortlessly because the brain has started to, you know, if you want to say it like this, develop a relationship with those muscles. The brain knows where those muscles are in space. And you just start to feel all those muscles uh, working. They're supporting the spine properly. Um, and then guess what? The sciatic pain starts to disappear. The sciatic pain there is a result of instability um, more likely than anything else. So we wanna get those muscles working, holding those joints, holding the discs, everything in place properly so that there's greater stability uh, in the lower back. But then I tell people, come into it and, and bring your hands to your lower back as you do that. Now feel the longissimus really engaged. Do you feel that muscle like down there? That's the longissimus muscle, this global stabilizer in the lower back. Mm. And people are like, oh yeah, that's my longissimus. I can feel it starting to, to work properly. Mm. Uh, so I think that anatomy needs to be more applied and, and then I called it muscle activation, of course, because we're constantly like, how do we bring some muscle activation into the way that we're practicing uh, yoga? So then a yama was, was sort of the acronym of that was like, oh, it's a yama. And I kind of started. I mean, and it, and it works very nicely because, you know, as I grow older, I mean, I've been teaching for 20 years now and I probably practiced for 10 before that. But my practice used to be very much just like, I'm going to do an amazing, you know, whatever pose, you know, all the poses, you know, just do an amazing class and feel great and not really worry about why I felt great, just enjoy the physical practice of it. But my practice has become so much more kind of mindful and spiritual and um, pleasing of myself rather than, you know, I very reluctantly introduce a pose that I don't really enjoy doing myself into my class and I, we haven't done this for ages but we we kind of should so here we go here's you know chaturanga dandasana or something for example but i'm very much more about um you know using yoga as a tool to understand where you hold your stuff where you're um you know you're where you're clinging on to things in your life you know emotions for example you know in the hips and and you know in using it as an applied way of accessing our energy and chakras that's my kind of that's the, definitely the way that I'm going and it feels to me as though this kind of little 
course correct in terms of is going to because I haven't done any teacher training for however long you know I'm not a member of the Iyengar Association anymore um, I just go to lots of lovely teachers and you know and do my own research and work and my own practice and so on um, but I think that this is definitely going to be um, something I think this is a really I think I'm really hope that your message does get through into the wider circle uh, you know into the wider world of yoga um, and hopefully, you know, you're obviously doing teacher training down in Costa Rica, which is um, which is very envy making indeed. So, <coughs> and one of one of these days, I will come visit you. Um, but before we, um, I, I want to just, you know, I feel like we've we've talked so much about yoga, and we could do that for a really long time. But I think people might get a bit bored. So, what I want to talk about is. Um, two things and I can't decide which to go for first either one how did you end up in Costa Rica or b tell me about your other book which I'm also really interested in <laughs> I'm going to tell people what the title is it's called the autobiography of a naked yogi yes <laughs> <laughs> well I mean there's so much to unpack there um obviously it's my autobiography um, it was published in, in 2015. Um, I'm actually thinking about doing an updated version and changing the title. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, my um, life uh, before Blue Osa. So how I ended up coming to Costa Rica was because I was leading a lot of yoga retreats. And I was taking my yoga students around the world um, you know, to just different places. And Costa Rica was one of the places on the list. And I just fell in love with Costa Rica. Um, it's just so much nature. There's just so much beauty. Um, Costa Rica is also very much a beach country. So, you know, the people that don't live in the beaches always love to spend the weekends on the beach. It's, it's a part of national uh, pride here. And you can kind of feel that sort of like, you know, let's enjoy life uh, kind of spirit, which I really um, appreciated. And then one day it was on the third retreat I was leading here. I was driving down the road and was with a group of friends. And I saw a Century 21 sign outside this property. And as I drove by, I looked down, I looked through the gate. And there was this tunnel of bougainvilleas and hibiscus flowers. Oh. And at the end of the tunnel, you could see like the ocean, which was about 50 meters away. And it was that beautiful sort of um, blue, you know, that turquoise blue kind of color mixed in with, like you know, the red bougainvilleas. And I just was like, this is home. And they kind of just hit me like in, an, you know, that awakening of pragnia, that awakening of the six chakra like oh my god like there's something here yeah. and um but i kind of like you know i just put a little container around it in my mind and then i i talked to one of my students um adam who then became my business partner and we bought the property and started uh, blue osa so <laughs> how gorgeous to have that freedom and that ability yeah just wonderful when you can when you're able to follow your dreams when you're able to follow your intuition of like this is this is it if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How good. Yeah. I'm so happy. Yeah, it was, it's really, really special. Um, and now I think we're entering into our 14th uh, year this coming year. So it, it's um, really great. I mean, yeah. I'm very, we're very happy about um you know, it's, it's, it took a while to get it going and, and, um, it's been a huge learning process and my yoga is the thing that has saved me. Ah, <laughs> oh, so good. And so you're, um, so you're just, so you live there full time now, do you? Yes. I live in Costa Rica full time. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the autobiography is sort of my story and how I got there. Um, but it's also got a lot of other stuff in there too. Like I spent 10 years in New York. I started a gay men's yoga group. Um, I started, um, I also, uh, used to lead trips to India. And so there's a story in there about India and how I broke my leg up in the Himalayan mountains and had to get carried down. And, um, in all of the kind of things that made me the person I am today, Autobiography of a Naked Yogi was also written with sort of this chicken soup for the soul-esque kind of flavor where um, I really was, you know, wanting to tell the stories of my life, but in sort of what I learned at each point. And so there's kind of like these little lessons, if you will, along the way of my yeah. teachers and what they imparted to me. And part of my part of writing my book was also a dedication to all of my teachers mm. that, you know, made me the person I am today. I have so much love and respect for them. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. God, I mean, that's a lot. That's a big old journey from New York, uh, you know, started in Cornwall, as we discussed before we started <laughs> by Canada, New York, Costa Rica heading south you'll end up in australia (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't complain (laughs) no neither would i that sounds like a happy place to be oh listen and we've been we've been on for for a little while now and um 
I just want to say thank you for sharing this. And I really hope that the, the yoga, the yoga practitioners amongst my listeners and, you know, a lot of the time I talk to people and it's about energetic things and it's healing and all that kind of thing. But, you know, as a yogi at heart, you know, that's where I began. It's really fascinating to talk to you. And I've been talking to, I talked to another yoga teacher recently as well, who actually was working very much in the same vein as you in terms of it was it was a, a not pushing yourself and I think this is the theme this is the thing that because and mm, I don't know if you feel the same way but when you pick up your phone and you're scrolling and if you like all you know if you follow a few yogi people you will start getting inundated with people doing these insane poses all over you know like they drive me nuts some girl who is obviously a gymnast you know doing some crazy backbend in the yeah. in the sea or on a rock or in the snow or something <laughs> and it makes me so because that's not yoga yeah that is not yoga I mean it, it for her for that particular girl who can do that thing then yeah that, that that's yoga that's fine whatever but that's not real life yoga yeah. That's not why we practice yoga. And that's not what the real benefit of yoga is, just to be able to make some crazy impressive thing that shows your bum off really well. You know, no, that's not. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it's about finding home in your own body. It's about finding release and finding peace. And it's about finding strength and health and um, balance stability yeah. stability yeah, and i would also say too like i as you as i started the conversation and said i'm really a huge lover of the chakras i teach chakra you know stuff all the time and we very easily begin to integrate a lot of the chakra stuff um in the teacher training i just led a 28-day immersion the last week i spend in the chakras but we're repeating a lot of the same muscle activations or, or approach, that engagement approach. We get stable and now I can start to, yes, let's go into the heart center, yum, yum, you know. So you there's when we approach it more from a stability standpoint, there's a greater, I believe, opportunity for us to be able to go inward and be able to activate those energetic centers. Um, which then ultimately we we have more stability, we have more activation, and we have more awakening to manifest our life's purpose, which is you know the goal of yoga ultimately. Beautifully put. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you so so much for joining me today. I have really enjoyed our conversation, and I feel like I have benefited hugely as well. So thank you. You're welcome. Can I just put a quick plug and say to your students? that if they want to, they can go to my YouTube channel and there's a lot of practices on there to start learning, you know, doing these techniques. There's, I have a lot of stuff on there. And- Such um, Yogi Aaron, right? Yeah, yeah, Yogi Aaron. And then of course there's the book. So I highly, you know, I recommend people to get the book and learn more about their body and, and how to have more stability <laughs> i've already put it look this is my christmas list i've just put stop stretching at the bottom there it's on literally on my list and okay. i will put all the links to the to the book and to your um youtube channel and to your 
Blue Oyster website for the Costa Rica retreats. Um, I'll put all of those in the show notes so everybody can, can go and have a good old look at you. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's such a delight to speak with you, another yoga teacher. Thank you. Thank you for having this conversation. So there we are. I hope that you got something interesting from that conversation. Um, Aaron's energy was lovely and what a a brilliant guy and such an important message I think for um, people who practice yoga and and you know lessons for us all actually in terms of you know it's it's really important to sometimes just turn our way of thinking around and look at things from completely the different a different direction um and get a new perspective on something that we think we know really well anyway that's certainly what it's done for me um so obviously in the show notes as promised there will be links to uh yogi aaron's youtube channel his beautiful yoga retreat in Costa Rica and to his book Stop Stretching and and then of course you can can find him on the um, his other book The Autobiography of a Naked Yogi which I think will probably make for quite a good read because he was an entertaining guy um, so and I really appreciated his um, his input about the chakras and how vital he feels that they are and it just again just illustrates how what a broad church yoga is and how all of these parts of it make up such an important um, part of, of our practice. So until next time, go and check my site out as well. I've got free um, resources and I've got chakra readings on offer at the moment. So go and make the most of that and I will speak to you all very soon. Take care. Lots of love. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.